0: Excited to give you your fix of this week's bit of Drabblecast relaunch pre-launch content. But first, with a quick pre-episode reminder part of what we're trying to do right now in our 10-year anniversary is build and bring together as many fans listeners and travelcast citizens as we can one nation under weird go to travelcast.org while you're listening to this and chuck in your email address right there where it says join our mailing list follow us on facebook and twitter by clicking the links there you won't miss out on a thing As a special incentive, if you go right now to our site where it says on the main page, Join our mailing list, right underneath that you'll see a link where it says, Download Your Way Through the Archives. You can download backlogged episodes and convenient 25 episode zip files that are not available on our feed right now, totally for free, the next couple months while we're gearing up for our relaunch with brand new episodes. Don't miss out. Our podcast feed won't be the only way we'll be communicating and keeping in touch with you folks. And we'll be launching a newsletter, an upcoming Kickstarter, running contests, all sorts of stuff. And we want to be as accessible and communicative with you as possible. So take a minute and go to Drabblecast.org and get hooked in. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast Best of Special Edition Series with bonus author commentary. We asked our fans out there on Facebook and Twitter what their favorite stories were, and based on your replies, we've hauled in some of our most notable, memorable stories to be rerun with special commentary on top between the author and myself. This week we're doing the surreal, twisted, jelly-oozing mind That is Teddy Bears and Tea Parties by S. Boyd Taylor, which ran originally as episode 146. First, we're going to run the full original story uncut for those that missed out the first time or those that want to relive one of the most darkly bizarre and unforgettable stories of our first three years of published stories. Then, as part two of this episode, the bonus feature with Sam and I discussing the stories in terms of the ideas, the writing, the production, the collaboration in general— A real behind-the-scenes peek at how this best-of TravelCast story arrived in your earbuds and left you needing to change your suddenly strawberry-scented trousers. If you're listening to the MP4 enhanced version of our feed, the two sections are divided into chapters, so you can skip forward if you like. The bonus commentary starts at about 29 minutes and 10 seconds if you're listening to the MP3 version of our feed. All right, let's get to it, shall we? Originally airing on January 14th, 2010, we bring you Teddy Bears and Tea Parties by S. Boyd Taylor. With her hands still shaking, the little girl wipes a circle of blood clean from the kitchen window. Her pinky is missing, still bleeding where it's been bit off. She knows he's out there, watching. There, the shadow between the hungry-eyed houses. Short, round man on a unicycle. Tall hat. Flat teeth. No eyes. Just an eyeball he stole in a monocle loop that he holds to his forehead with four-fingered hands. The little girl puts the teddy bear by the sink. A ratty, old bear with greasy, olive-colored fur. She hopes it's the last one alive. Dead teddy bears fill the kitchen counters beside her, each killed in a different way. One with its head severed and grape-jelly blood still spurting thick and gloppy onto the floor. One dismembered. One burning on the stove, giving off thick, grape-scented smoke. Careful of the claws, she checks the toaster cords that bind the last bear's wrists. She tries to remember his name so that she can question him, but her sister had so many bears.
1: Are you going to kill me too?
0: He asks. Where are the others? (laughs) He cringes and whimpers, but doesn't answer. She glances at the knife lying on the stained counter.
1: Please. Don't kill me.
0: You work for him, that thing outside. After all those years keeping us safe, you let him touch you, change you. (laughs) The little girl picks up the knife. It's as long as her arm, blade sticky with jelly. No, I'll
1: tell you anything. Just don't kill me.
0: Where are the others hiding?
1: They're in the attic.
0: The girl pulls the knife close to the bear's neck. It hisses and shows its vampire fangs.
1: Don't kill me. Don't you love me anymore?
0: Where's Angie? Where's my sister?
1: He has her. Where? I don't know.
0: She saws a single gash across his cheek. Olive fur separates. A purple smile. So pretty. He screams, and she keeps him screaming. Don't kill me. I still love you. He says when she stops cutting. I love you too. (laughs) One more cut, and he falls in half. The purple blood stains deep. Her apron, her palms, her lips. It smells so sweet. She licks it. Mmm. Concord grapes. Her belly leaps and growls for more. She opens the door to the living room and peers in. Every shadow looks dangerous, like it could move, jump, dig its fangs into her throat. The ceiling pillows down, water-stained with brown clouds. Without even looking at them, she sees the twisted faces hidden in the pattern. Her parents' faces, the neighbors' faces, everyone the house has ever eaten, staring down at her. They are the house, and the house is hungry. "'The faces can't get you,' she tells herself. "'It's daytime. There aren't any bears.' Just a few more steps. Get past the couch. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Shadows move on the mantelpiece and the end tables. She freezes. The family pictures are moving. Brass frames buckling into bow-shaped mouths. They want to eat her. Don't be scared. Of course, they're hungry. Everything must eat. And there isn't much food. One picture has starved to death. She knows because it doesn't move. Only dead things are still. The picture is of Angie, eyes like blue diamonds, all straw hair and smiles, having a tea party with the teddy bears before the magic came back, before everything came alive. The stairs creak and sag under her feet. One even whines like a hungry dog. Shh, she tells it. I'll feed you later. Creak, the stairs say again. She hears footsteps in the hall. Soft whooshes on the rotten rug that sound like a tiny voice whispering, Murder. Her stained hand grips the banister so hard, her bones hurt. When she crawls into the attic, she slips on grape flavored blood. A dozen teddy bears are scattered with the long purple smiles around their necks, spilling jelly onto the greedy floor. She hears someone crying and wonders if it's her sister. Angie? No answer, just the boards creaking saying they are hungry. Haven't you had enough blood? There's never enough blood. She follows the voice and finds Ollie Cat behind the big box of shining Christmas stars. His Oliver Twist clothes are soaked red. A new scent. Strawberries. She didn't know there were other flavors. Her belly reaches toward the plush cat. You killed the other bears? He starts crying. No, they were all so afraid of you, of what you would do. They didn't want to suffer. They asked me to kill them. Well. No. She stares. Her eyes are empty mouths. Then why did one of them stab you? Silence. Then. Well, no, I still know. You all say that. The pull-string loop that makes Ollie cat purr has a thumb stuck in it. Angie's thumb, bit off by bear teeth. The little girl takes it, tucks it in her stained apron. What did you do with Angie? He tries to crawl away, but he is too weak. His jelly-filled body folds in on itself and quivers. She pulls his string, forces him to purr, drags him back under her knife he pisses himself then sweet strawberry piss she thinks of Angie, her straw hair and smiles, then she thinks of the thumb I'm gonna make this hurt a lot okay? okay he whimpers she loves strawberries she sees him out there Hiding behind the street corner on his unicycle Staring at her with eyeless eyes She moves from window to window But he is always there She knows he has her sister He has Angie But the little girl is too scared to face him All she can do is listen to his unicycle Creak, creak, creak As he pedals around the house On the third day, the bear blood runs out She is starving, and the house is starving too. The faces in the ceiling start following her around and smiling at her. Always smiling. If she doesn't leave soon, they will eat her. She licks the purple stain on her palm because it is sweet, but with every lick she remembers teddy bear screaming and dying. She tries to scrape it off with her fingernails, but no matter how much she licks or scrapes, it won't come out. The little girl holds the knife in front of her and opens the door. He creaks back and forth on his unicycle beside the rusted swing set on the front lawn. How are you? he says. The hungry houses behind him lean towards her. Boards creak. Bricks pour powdered mortar like blood. Hungry, she says. I gave you blood. There's never enough blood. He smiles with black lips. Do you know who I am? Angie knew. You're him. Hit him, like the song, like the psalm on your palm. She spreads her four fingers wide and sees her scraping has reduced the stains to shapes, words, no, thoughts. She cuts them away with a knife because they say the truth, but no matter how deep she cuts, they stay. When the skin is gone, her blood starts singing the words that aren't words until they echo down from the sky. She is crying now. She has never cried before. Her tears taste like strawberries and grapes. Where's my sister? Where did you hide all the children? He eats her then, black mouth stretching wider than the sky. She falls, and the falling is like flying. Soft wind, sweet and cool. Freedom. Her hand sings to her, but she can't understand it anymore. The notes shiver her blood. She opens her eyes, and the stomach is huge around her, dark and dank above. The echo of water dripping subterranean vastness with hungry shadows. She follows hints of light, wondering where the light comes from. Then she realizes that the light comes from her. Her bloody hand is burning bright where she carved away the words. She presses her red palm forward, four fingers singing against the darkness. Soon she finds a wall, moist, Fleshy. Hundreds of eyeballs set deep in the skin. Monocle loops glisten like the halos of devils. Each eye stares at her in turn. Black tongues where the pupils should be. Hungry mouths eating up the light of her. Her hand begins to fade and she feels dry and brittle and sandy inside. A doll full of sawdust. Barely any blood. She runs away from the wall of eyes. Away from the hunger and the naked need. Angie sits in the shadows at a table with two steaming teacups. But Angie isn't Angie anymore. Her face is china and glimmers with blue and purple and silver underneath. Black opal eyes half-lidded. Her straw hair is silky now, the wrong texture. He stole your eyes. Sit down, says Angie. Have some tea. Her lips and cheeks are bright strawberry, but they don't move when she speaks. She is too perfect, too still. Only dead things are still. The little girl peers into the cups, Hollow white and painted with shadow. There isn't any tea, Angie. Just steam. Empty steam. No, all you have to do is just sit. Be still, just for a moment. Is that what you did? Be still? It's what we all do. Eventually. Little girl holds up her hand and burns the darkness back with her fading soul. A hundred tables shine back, all with countless dolls sitting in broken circles, pale china faces so still. You can't fight him, you know. Sit down, be still. I'm too hungry to be still. I'm not hungry. If you sit, you won't be either. Silence like ice between them. Angie remains perfect and pale. The little girl sweats and steams. "'Do you have my thumb?' Angie asks at last. "'I ate it.' "'Ate it?' "'I'm so hungry. You don't know. "'The whole world is starving since the magic came back. "'The houses, the teddy bears, the swing sets. "'Everything has to eat now.' Everything has blood. The little girl licks her lips, remembers the Concord grapes. Angie's voice sounds scared. You're thinking about eating me, too, aren't you? No. The little girl lies. I came to rescue you, to bring you back. To what? There's nothing left. There has to be something left. You can't beat him. Sit down. Rest. Just for one second. I'm taking you home, Angie. I don't want to go. I like it here. You will too. The little girl steals Angie then, tucks her under her right arm, and runs. The little girl doesn't know where she's going until she gets there the wall of eyes. She stops when she sees it, awed by the size and the countless glistening monocle loops. How many eyes does he have? she asks. All of them. The eyes turn toward her again, one by one, as she walks past. The red light of her hand flickers, fades. Sand starts to scrub the inside of her veins. They eat up the light of you, Angie says. They turn you into sawdust and in china, the hungry eyes with black tongues. You're the milk. They're the cats. Just a little farther, the little girl tells herself. Her breath comes in short gasps. She is so hungry. Her stomach feels full of cold, gnashing teeth. What are you looking for, anyway? You'll never find it. Then the little girl stops and points up the wall. Look, Angie, your eyes, blue diamonds. She sets Angie down and pulls the knife from her apron, the blade a slice of fire in the shadows. She grabs a fistful of flesh and slime, pulls herself up, stabs with a knife, pulls herself up farther. The nearest eyes lick her with their black tongues. She feels so cold. Angie keeps telling her to come down, to rest, to be still, but she doesn't. She climbs like this until she's next to the blue diamonds. She reaches down into the socket and pulls one free with a pop. It rolls over in her palm and looks at her. The wall grumbles and shakes. Sand spews out and glitters in the air. Don't do it, Angie says. I don't want my old eyes. The little girl is shivering now. How can eyeballs be so cold? They burn. She reaches in and grabs the other eye. It tries to shake her grip. The monocle loop twists, tries to cut her and steal her blood. The edges sharper than scissors, sharper than her knife. Don't do it, Angie says again. The wall shakes like jelly. The rumble gets louder. The little girl pulls the eye free. The sand pours like a river where the eyes used to be and rips open the wall. The slimy wall slips in her grip. She grabs for it again and misses, and falls end over end, but the sand catches her. She struggles to her feet and staggers toward her sister. As Angie screams, the little girl pries out the black opals and pushes the old eyes in. They're too big at first, but she jams them in, and somehow they work. Angie blinks. You beat him, she says. Her lips don't look painted. Instead, they look like flesh, but they don't move, either. You beat him. Maybe just a little. For a moment, the little girl wonders how her sister's eyes would taste. The sand rages down. The rest of the eyes in the wall spit out on golden jets of dust. The eyes on the ground stand up, using their black tongues like legs and begin to hop around. The monocle loops are still around them and spin like saw blades. The eyes are hungry, Angie says. We should leave. The sisters stare past the torn wall and into the core of him. They see golden gears, silver levers, teddy bears as big as they are, running and running in a turning cage to keep the bellows pumping. A whistle sounds in the fiery vast. Jets of steam wet the air and make it boil. And behind the gears and the grinding and the whistling steam, they hear a clang, 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 constant, never varying. I think that's his heart. "'The little girl says. "'It is. I can feel it in my seams. "'His hungry, starving metal heart.' "'The little girl grabs a gear and begins to climb. "'The heart is far below them now. "'She can see it still through the forest of gears, "'a giant kettle with a metal arm scooping out green soup "'and pouring it into funnels. "'With every scoop, the arm hits the bottom.' Clang, clang, clang. The soup stinks like rotten meat. The little girl thinks she can see car tires in it, but her stomach still growls. Are you still hungry? Angie says from under the girl's arm. Yes. Are you still thinking about eating me? She doesn't answer. She kicks a gear instead, hoping to hurt him, but the gear doesn't budge. Then she hears a new sound, like a screen door slamming. She sees teddy bears climbing toward her. He set the bears loose. Run! She kills the first bear near him's skull, cuts its hand off, then stabs it in the heart. The body falls with a knife still wedged in tight and bounces gear to gear until it hits a catwalk, a smear of thick green jelly. My knife! He was apple inside. "'Apple's my favorite,' Angie says. "'I'm hungry, too, now.' "'The little girl stashes the bear hand in her apron. "'We'll save it for later,' she says. "'She licks her fingers clean before she climbs "'and tries not to worry about how she will kill the other bears now "'without a knife.' "'The skull is a hall of mirrors.' dark voids full of her own shape, shorter here, fatter there, taller, and then a mirror that turns her body into cubes and moves them around, and I where her lips should be, her teeth in her throat. She stares. The teddy bears, they're coming. Angie sounds calm, too calm. Don't you want to get away? I don't like being hungry. It's easier to be still. The little girl shivers. Angie is bigger now, heavier. Her hair looks more like straw. The little girl wonders how she will feed Angie when she can't even feed herself. They find a ball of lightning bolts hissing and shivering against each other like snakes, each white bolt trying to eat the next until it seems that each one is eating itself, Throbbing heat presses itself onto their faces. Him's soul, Angie says. The little girl reaches her hand out toward the snakes of light, but doesn't touch. Somehow, the lightning is inside her eyes. He's changing me, Angie, making me into something new. Angie is quiet for a moment, then... The bears, they're here... The bears step around a corner, wielding sharpened gears tied to sticks, homemade meat cleavers to cleave little girl meat. Angie cowers in the corner, shaking. Her hair looks like straw. The little girl is tired and worn too thin. She's seen too much violence, done too much. She doesn't want to hurt anyone anymore. Don't make me do this, she says to the bears. Don't make me kill you. A big blue bear with white paws laughs (laughs) and steps forward. He doesn't have to say that he doesn't believe her. He says it by raising the sharp-toothed gear. The little girl grabs a fistful of thunder with her four-fingered hand. The flesh scorches and blackens, smells like burnt bacon. White lightning bleeds inside, turns red. The psalm in her palm pulses loud, a hammer on the ears... The bears freeze mid-step. They see their doom in red lightning. She throws. Zeus from the hand of a child. The bears are red ashes then, and the lightning returns and hides inside her hand. Him's skull unfolds outward like paper, white bone origami undone. Smoke... The scent of cheesecake. Two blocks ruined, houses smoking voids, the swing set charred so it can only limp along on one rusted leg. Doll bodies scattered everywhere, slowly changing to flesh. But him is still, still and dead. All the many pieces of him strewn and smoking and unmoving. The little girl can feel her hand tingle, sees the sparks. Because they are starving, she and Angie eat the apple-flavored teddy bear hand. The little girl starts at the pinky. Angie starts at the thumb. One by one, the stolen children awake some with their own eyes, and some still with black opals. Afterward, the two sisters say to them, Don't sit on the swing set, and don't trust your friends. Feed any house before you go in it. The world is alive since the magic came back, and children are small and make a good snack. Everything tricks, and everything cheats, and everything Everything, everything eats.
2: Um, I hope you enjoyed that. This is uh, Norm here. I'm with Sam Taylor, the writer of that story, the author. And uh, we're going to go through with uh, the author commentary and talk about different aspects of that story. But uh, I wanted to start off with like a little intro and kind of just ask you some questions. How you doing, Sam?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks.
2: Thanks for taking some time out here to chat about this story. This is one of the ones that we reached out to our fan base um, and asked what kind of stories they'd like to hear us talk about with an author. And this one got kind of overwhelming feedback and and people just really loved it. It was, uh, you know, originally about a year and a half into our first run of stories. And it was one of the first stories I remember being really chilled by. So I'm I'm happy to be here talking with you about it.
1: Wow. Cool. I had no idea it was that popular. I feel uh, delighted and honored
2: yeah super surreal you know it's it's uh it's just it's it wasn't it was a story unlike anything we'd run at that point because it definitely falls into the horror genre but it's kind of like a a mix between uh Alice and Wonderland in my head and and roll doll and all sorts of craziness but where did this kind of come from and what were some of the inspirations or stuff did you just sit down and this kind of just came out of nowhere
1: yeah it was uh Oh man, you're you, this is 2008 when I wrote this. So you're going back in time mm-hmm. almost 10 years. But uh I sat down and I was trying to finish a story. I was finishing short stories in one day. And I wrote uh <clears throat> the first half of it up, up until she was eaten. Uh all in one day. And I took it to work and I gave it to a friend of mine that likes horror and she was like, "Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I love it. I love it. I love it." But it didn't feel complete to me. So I took it to my writers group and my writers group's pretty pretty good. It's got some uh, big name, well, relatively big name people. I mean, William Ledbetter and, uh. Oh yeah. We've uh, run some of his stories before. Yeah. William Ledbetter, uh, Bonnie, I can't remember what she writes under. She was, she Stuffle was nominated. Beam. Stufflebeam. Thank mm-hmm. you. And Michelle Moonsler. Mm. So they're all in my writing group and, uh, I brought it to them and they felt something was missing too. So I went back and I said to myself, what happens after she's eaten? Hmm. And uh, and it sort of went from there. And as I was writing it, I realized I was writing the uh, – so there's two hero's journeys, the male hero journey that we normally see and the female hero journey, which is all about going into the underworld. And I realized it was – and on in the Underworld, the female hero's journey. And I was like, let's just go with this and, hmm.
2: you know, just keep going. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's got two sections in it, you know, kind of like it reminds me like the Deer Hunter or one of those movies where the whole second half of the movie is like a different movie that just goes in an awesome kind of related place. But... And
1: I completely like the second half better, honestly. Oh, really?
2: (laughs) I love both of them for different reasons. (laughs) Cool. Well, let's uh, let's dive in. Before we we jump in, I wanted to just give the listeners my personal take on the very first lines of this story. To me, this is one of the my favorite opening lines uh, to any short story, like literally any short story to this day. Um, And just as you hear the first couple sentences, hopefully, people will see why. But let's dive in.
1: jazzy tune
2: <laughs> a little bit yeah ominous piano's a big thing throughout her this whole thing still shaking a yeah, little girl
0: wipes a circle of blood clean from the kitchen window her pinky is missing still bleeding where it's been bit off she knows he's out there
2: watching See, that's all i needed right there you got a little girl her pinky's missing it's bit, been bitten <laughs> off and there's somebody watching you know that's a great setup
1: yep yep house, I, I wanted to dive in so i was teeth, at that point i was really focusing eyes. on getting into the story as fast as possible an and getting something that hooked and people mm-hmm. and that's that's really uh, what i was trying to do um and i was like teddy bear by child in danger is a big a thing you know it hooks people immediately and further. Um, I just wanted to do something really freaking weird that's what I did so.
2: absolutely you know and, and child in danger is, we, we find out that other people are in danger of the child later on obviously yeah, that's true <laughs> I wanted to ask you too uh, in that description of the short round man at the beginning it talks about him having four fingered hands too and that seems to be a theme that I hadn't picked up on the first time that four finger, Angie later on has a four finger the unicycle was that just kind of a random thing or did you have intentions there
1: I, uh, you're asking a writer about symbolism and the writers will always tell you that there is no real symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that to the literary analysis crew.
2: Ah, uh, right, okay, the, 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 the uh, of Christ probably, like the resurrection, it has nothing to do with the Trinity and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, yeah you work for I've him. got a uh, thing actual literary studies degree with analysis in it and uh, <laughs> let him touch I, I don't believe in any of it It's <laughs> great
0: picks up the knife It's as long as her arm blade sticky with jelly No
1: I'll tell you anything just don't kill me Where are The others <laughs> that jelly? Yeah, the jelly is from uh, the Mr. Paul Jessup, uh, who was in the Broken cir- Circles writing group shows with me and Jonathan Wood and, and Michelle Munsler, and uh, he's the one that suggest- it suggested it can't be blood. It was mm-hmm. blood originally. And I was like, Where's my sister? it's going to be jelly then. Oh, he, he had a great suggestion. That was... Uh, he
2: really nailed it. <laughs> it makes a difference. Yeah. It's... Uh, I had this a situation too with that. I didn't want this to be too gory because it's a teddy bear. I didn't want it to be scary voice, but I wanted it to be uh, something that was a little hard haunting and um one of our twitter list, uh, listeners mike zero zero five pointed out that like to this day that bear's voice still gives him chills and i was listening to this with my ex-girlfriend the other day we're still friends of course <laughs> listen to fiction she cracked up when the bear started talking so i don't know i guess it takes a d- different folks different strokes you know it's, it's her
0: palms her very it smells so sweet she licks it mm, concord grapes <laughs> her belly leaps and growls for more
1: wow. i like how you did the rhythm man it's it's right on right spot on with uh, how I broke the sentences up. She opens oh, that's
2: awesome. Yeah, sometimes that flow just works out really well. You know, you gave me a lot of opportunities to have fun with sound effects in this whole story and I tend to not use a whole lot of sound effects and foley uh if, sparingly if anything because a lot of times they get in the way, but this whole story was just an opportunity to like really go balls out because everything is speaking, like the stairs and the walls and the boards and everything sentient. There's never enough Mm. blood. I mean, it's just a great playground for somebody like me who loves doing that stuff.
0: Everyone in the house has ever eaten, staring down at her. They are the house, and the house is hungry. The faces can't get you, she tells herself. It's daytime. There aren't any bears. Just a few more steps. Get past the couch. Don't be scared. Don't. Scared.
2: That was Paul Jessup's favorite on line. The mantelpiece. I love that line, too. Yeah. That felt like a good time to use the heartbeat thing, because I'm thinking inside this house and later on inside the man, the heartbeat is this patterned kind of metronome that can pace the story along while there's creaking and stuff, but it just stays steady because the house isn't anxious or scared, obviously.
1: There isn't much My uh, creative writing teacher in college used to say that uh, when I wrote things, the rhythm was so strong that it sometimes it was so strong it would drum you out of the story because you'd see it. Huh. So I've always, uh, I've always had a good rhythm instinctively, unless I try to have one and then I break it.
2: hair so. Oh wait, I
1: love that line there.
2: Before everything came alive. Because that's kind of. Uh, that line right there is the, the only real hint we get of what's going on. Like, you know, the magic came back, everything came alive, and that's it. You know, because a lot of people want to know what realistically is happening, but that's that's that's
1: what you get right there, and I love that about it. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: The stairs say again. She hears footsteps. I talked in the to David
1: Brenn about this story once, and he uh, he doesn't remember it right now. Uh, but like a long time ago, blues, I talked to him about it, and he gave me a blurb for it. Uh, to sell online Never sold very much But uh, It was uh, he, What he liked about it Was how surreal it was But he was concerned when she That it was in the fu- addict, It was in the present tense And he wanted to me- change it to past tense
0: Really? Teddy bears yeah scattered with the long But he's kind of a classic writer So necks, that's spilling You know That happens I'm always
2: more of a fan of the to present tense
0: Me too wonders if it's her sister. Angie? No answer Just the boards creaking, saying they are hungry.
2: There was a good line we were talking over a second ago, but when the carpet was saying murder, man, I don't know. You gave yourself shivers when you wrote that line, didn't you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I may have.
2: (laughs) And that goes to the repetition thing you were talking about, the murder, murder, murder. There's a repetition kind of a rhythm to it. You know, you do that a couple times throughout here where it's like everything, everything, everything eats.
1: Yep.
0: You that, killed the other band.
1: Get to that poem at the end? That gave me fits. Crying. I worked on that for a week. Just getting the poem right. And oh. I still think the rhythm's off.
2: <laughs> I love that poem. My, this is my favorite character, Ollie Cat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> asked me to kill them. <laughs> she stares. He <laughs> Her eyes are empty mouths. Then why did one of them stab you? Silence.
1: Then. Well, no, I still
2: love you. Oh, it's heartbreaking. You all say that. All say that.
0: The pull-string loop that makes Ollie Cat purr has a thumb stuck in it. Angie's thumb, bit off by bear teeth. The little girl takes it, tucks it, in her stained my favorite line. What did you do with Angie? I bet I know what it is. He tries to crawl away, but he is too weak. His jelly-filled body folds in on itself and quivers. She pulls his string, forces him to purr, drags him back under her knife. He pisses himself
2: then. Three, sweet two, strawberry one, piss. right there. The, she thinks Was that it? Straw hair yes, that's it. Oh, I called it. Thank you Angie, sick i am <laughs> I'm gonna make
0: this hurt. I wrote a lot.
2: the damn story, you know. <laughs> I, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's sweet strawberry piss. She
0: loves strawberries. <laughs> She sees him out there, hiding behind the street corner.
2: Oh, this is this is my favorite part almost of the story. I sometimes will like think about this just randomly. It's terrifying to me. A man with no eyes on a unicycle and black lips, just circling around the house because food's running out. And for me, I don't know. I think I lucked out on this one, but I was trying different fully in this whole section for the next minute or two. Um, with the creaks of the motorcycle or the unicycle, and the the leaves blowing in the wind, to me was the thing that made me go, "Oh, that really makes it creepy." There's just this ominous blowing of leaves as it's sitting there waiting for her, like sharks outside, you know. Faces in the ceiling start falling. Yeah, you did a really good job smiling it's, it's, it's
1: freaking amazing, man. Smiling.
0: If she doesn't leave soon, they
1: will eat her. I. You know, buddy, about, a, about three years ago, I realized where this dang unicycle gay guy came Red, from. Oh, yeah, where? You're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> the circus? Uh, no, uh, it's it's from uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. There's a guy on
2: Halloween. Oh, that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he has eyes. You know. He does, yeah. Well, hey, that works. That guy's pretty creepy.
2: I don't know. The circus has it. A, there's a, a presence of the circusness to me. I use like some broken backwards Calliope music later on when he's inside the guy because it starts to feel like a carnival to some extent, like a really twisted one with like broken mirrors and things.
1: Well, I, was, I was listening. I was watching Carnival when I wrote this, so it's probably very accurate. Oh, that's a great show. Oh, that's great. Cut short, unfortunately. Yeah. I was reading Cormac McCarthy it's and watching announced. Carnival, and this is what comes out. Uh, this is definitely what comes out. <laughs> <laughs> little little ketamine in the mix, too, probably. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Angie knew. Oh.
0: You are him. Him like the song, like the song on your palm. Here she she spreads her four fingers wide. And sees it takes about an hour
2: sometimes to get a voice like that with the voice shapes, modulation. Words. Oh, really? Yeah, it could be tricky. No.
1: Thoughts. She You're getting into the part of this story Where they I focused truth, on uh, but no matter how consonants and alliteration cuts, To almost a crazy extent
0: Hymn, hymn. The 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 Yeah all the that place. Words. Did yeah, that come from anything, Him,
2: Like sky. capital H, like the, you know, hymn book Or was that just kind of a
1: cool idea you threw in? Is never well, before. they'd been calling him him all that's along, and he needed like a name, and, and it couldn't be capital H, sister? him, H-I-M, because, well, children? that's a villain on the Powerpuff Girls. He eats her. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. well,
2: if you want to get really literary here, him, you know, biblically, Jesus and Yahweh, the capital H, he, him, his, you know, the great I am thing, and yeah. you've got the whole psalm in your palm and blood coming from it. There's a stigmata thing going there. Just saying, there's yeah. a lot of blood drinking. Clearly, this I, is this is what the literary you know part of you is thinking.
1: Yeah, well, I, I was raised Southern Baptist, so I'm I'm steeped in the uh, the symbolism and mystique of of that sort of stuff I am not Southern Baptist anymore I have recovered but
2: it's true it's still in me I'm glad that your writing hasn't fully recovered from it yet though
1: I know it's still traumatic hungry shadows <laughs>
0: <laughs> she follows hints of light wondering where the light comes from
2: oh so this is where she's inside and she
0: realizes that the light comes from her her bloody hand is burning bright where she carved away the words she presses her red palm forward Four fingers singing against the darkness. Soon
2: she finds a wall. Yeah, the choir thing pops up a lot as a theme or motif.
0: Eyeballs set deep in the skin. Monocle loops glisten like the halos of devils. Each eye stares at her in turn. Black tongues where the pupils should be. Hungry mouths eating up the light of her.
1: This scene, Her I had to rewrite to three times, man. Dry, really? <laughs> <and sand laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't get the image. I, I could get the image down so that I understood it, but nobody else could understand it. Mm. So it was just so strange that... It is. Like the
2: tongues, It's just and it's got kind of a Yogg-Sothoth kind of thing to it where there's a bunch of eyes and... From this point in the story to me, it's it's a neat kind of sequence of, it, it does feel like you're in a carnival ride where here's the next ride or you're in like a haunted house where you're in the spinny part of it or the mirrors, because it's kind of just like weird little vignettes of scenarios of creepy stuff that that, that kind of lead into a, a big kind of ending. And
1: glimmers with blue and yeah, and the final ride, of course, is, is the hall of mirrors that yep. is his brain, right? And mm-hmm. It's just, he's so self-absorbed and it all reflects in on himself and you know, I didn't even think that when I wrote it. I just wrote it, but, you
2: know. Yeah. The weird, like, you inside of you that's controlling you thought of it and then told you to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's kind of creepy. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> the little girl inside your brain right now, Sam.
1: <laughs> no! Yeah, everything so eats. Yes. Even the a little
2: girl
0: peers into the cups. I thought
2: this was cool when I was reading this in the slush originally. That you know, a lot of stories you think Isn't that Angie or Angie? the story is going to be about finding the girl, and here it is. You know, about three quarters of the way through the story, and you find her, and she's already taken over and kind of in this blind state. So there's more adventure left. She she joins it at that point.
0: Be still. It's what we all do, eventually. Little girl holds up her hand and burns the darkness back with her fading soul. A hundred One
1: tables shine back. Being me up on is that the little Calvus girl doesn't have a name. I love that. She, needs
2: she doesn't need a name. Yeah, she's like the every man, but every little girl. <laughs>
0: you can't fight him. You know. Sit down. Be still. I'm too hungry
1: to be still. So this was all about. Um, I'm not hungry. Like stillness versus action. Hmm. And and how silence, like uh, like yin versus yang. Day. I was doing a lot of tai chi at the time, pale. and uh, I have twenty eight medals in tai chi. Oh, streams. yeah. And so the whole Taoist idea of like you know the, the yin and the yang, and the yang together, and the, the two create the I world, and the one and and either it. one can lead to death if it goes That's too so too strongly. So we it was like uh, stillness versus whole action. Whole if you're too still, then you're dead. The teddy bears,
0: swing sets.
2: So it's like sofas and, and staircases and stuff that are still, you know, like they're dead essentially, but they start to come to life movement.
1: Yeah, and they're moving around, right?
2: Yep, and staring at you. Sounds
1: I didn't know that until I got You're to this part of the story, though, so all the rest you? of it was instinct.
0: No,
2: the little girl lies. Isn't it weird how like things that you're doing in your life Will translate yeah. sometimes into other ways Without you even really consciously right. knowing There's of it you know? Right. You're know, you doing Tai Chi and you're absorbing these, these right. Lessons and then it's coming out In your writing but you're Him. not completely cognizant out. Of it all the
1: time Right
0: Just for one second. Yeah. I'm taking you home Angie I
1: Although you know that Tai Chi stuff I'm was here. Ten years ago, <laughs> nine years ago <laughs> I'm not any good at it anymore Tucks <laughs> her under her right arm <laughs>
0: And runs
1: There's That choir again
0: The little girl doesn't know where she's going until she gets there, the wall of eyes. She stops when she sees it. Had to bring awed it back by around. By mm-hmm. and the countless glistening
2: yeah, rips. had to bring it back around. And then this, How many eyes This for the next had? three minutes, was easily the hardest part for me to produce because, man, we get into some crazy sound effect mixing at this point. Eyes the, eyes, the eyes, the squishes. I had a lot of fun with jello at this point in jelly, like with hands. There's a, the wall starts exploding. There's sand crumbling. Uh, there's dramatic music. There's chimes. There's the insect. Of course, you had to make the eyeballs turn into insects. So I had to get scattering clattering sounds going (laughs) and buzz saws and yeah, it was worth it But the tricky thing is making it not like distracting from my voice and from your words, you know, right Just
0: a little farther the little girl tells her song. Man, you
2: did a lot of work.
1: I think you worked on this more than I did. <laughs>
2: no, no. Was so That's what's cool. I love this this idea of us talking about this because it was such a collaboration. I mean, everything came from you, but, you know, print is one thing, and then you turn it into something else with your voice and with audio. Yeah. Well,
1: you did an amazing job. I, I still listen to it from time to time. This one and uh, A Distant Sound of Hammers. Yeah, that one, I, I, whenever I'm in a really dark place, I listen to that one. <laughs> She <laughs> in a really dark place
0: line, pulls herself up stabs with a knife there's some jello pulls herself up farther the nearest eyes lick her with their black tongues she feels so cold Angie keeps telling her to come down to rest to be still but she doesn't she climbs like this until she's next to the blue diamonds she reaches down into the socket and pulls one free with a pop <laughs> It rolls over in her palm and looks at
2: her. See, I wish I'd used a pop filter there. You get some oh, kind of peas there. It was shakes. early days of Drabblecast. I didn't know about that kind of stuff yet. Glitters in the air. But that peas. Don't do it, Angie says. Maybe they were just exploding eyes. eyes though, I don't know. I don't Little think anybody notices, man. Out. You did a great job. How can eyeballs
0: be so cold? They burn.
1: Oh, I'm listening to it. She it's reaches so good. in and
0: grabs the ah. other eye. It tries to shake her grip. The monocle loop twists, tries to cut her and steal her blood. The edges when I got to this part of the story, scissors, I didn't even know
1: what life. I was writing. Like don't I was like, it. something is going to happen, again. and I don't know what it is, and I just got to keep the writing. And they get the jelly. eyes, and, the the and I was like, what can I do with these eyes? Why are these eyes special? Oh, they've got to be hers, right? Mm-hmm. So the then I go back, and, and I fix it. And they're hers, and then what happens when they pull them out of the wall? It's got to be something special. And boom, there's a whole nother world. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? Well, they're hers, but they're also monocled eyes, so they're kind of like his, too. And I don't know, man. If you really want to get deep, is the little girl any different than the unicycled man, or are they the same the whole time?
0: pushes <laughs> <laughs> you know the old eyes in. Uh, they're too uh, big at first, but she jams
1: them in. Unicycle uh, the, in. In The Nightmare Before Christmas, he has a monocle, too. Right? Oh. <laughs> well. He didn't Oops, eat children, though, I don't think. Painted. No, he did not. Instead, he didn't have these dramatic like superpowers. But <laughs> I obviously, I either. internalized him quite a
2: bit. <laughs> you beat him.
0: Maybe just a little. For a moment, the little girl wonders how her sister's eyes would taste. The sand rages down. The rest of the eyes in the walls spit out on golden jets of dust. The eyes on the ground stand up, using their black tongues like legs.
2: And That's awesome. I love that imagery.
0: The monocle loops are still around them and spin like saw blades. The eyes are hungry, Angie says. We should leave.
1: I just like the idea of this thing going around and collecting the all these people, but, but really what he wants is he wants their eyes.
0: The mm-hmm. him.
1: And he just... Sicks them in his belly, and he kind of absorbs their life, the the, the world that they saw through their eyes. You know? Yeah. Huh. That's
2: that's something I hadn't thought of. That's that that later on in the story, whenever the world becomes different, you kind of it's the eyes that return in the children and stuff too. That is that's a neat point.
0: they hear a clang,
2: clang, clang. You explained too much. There you are with your repetition, by the way. Clang, clang, clang. You did that three thing a lot. Which the is good, yes. Says,
0: it is. I can feel it in my seams. His hungry, starving metal heart. There's the three. The girl grabs mm-hmm. her and begins to climb.
1: It's a favorite trick of mine. It's cool, it works. I
0: like it. The heart is far below them now. She can see it still through the forest of gears.
2: A giant it gets kind of, uh, I was trying to go for more of like a Miyazaki kind of vibe here because I've been brooding for so long that I was trying to find the right type of music with like oboes and things to where I could give it a more of a silly steampunky kind of like we're getting gears and things now and it'll break up that vibe because in the end game, of course, you have, you know, more darkness and bear fights. But as she's going through this section, I kind of wanted to change hungry? the mood. Angie says, "I I thought it was
1: a, it was excellent. It was pitch perfect to me because that's exactly what I was going for. Was the whole steampunky thing." She doesn't answer.
0: Oh, cool. She kicks a gear instead, hoping to hurt him, but the gear doesn't budge. Then she hears a new sound, like a screen door slamming. She sees teddy bears climbing toward her. He set the bears loose. Run! She kills the first bear near him's skull. Cuts its hand off, then stabs it in the heart. The body falls with a knife still wedged in tight, and bounces gear to gear until it hits a catwalk. A smear of thick green jelly. My knife. He was. <laughs> I don't
2: know himself. how I made that sound. I think I cracked an egg open That's or something, so but. She needed says, a good jelly smear.
1: This whole thing, apple, the I didn't know they came in apple. That's yeah. like my second favorite line.
2: <laughs> it's, like second favorite line. <laughs> it's true because they're adapting and starting to get used to the flavors. She it's dark. Before she
0: climbs yeah. And tries not to worry about how she will kill the other bears now without a knife.
1: You have a really messy sound
2: effects. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I do this job. A is a
0: hall of mirrors. Dark voids full of her own shape. Shorter here, fatter there, taller. And then a mirror that turns her body into cubes and moves them around, and I, where her lips should be, her teeth
2: her that throat. There's that backwards calliope. She stares.
1: Yeah. That was a Picasso. Candy candy. Bears.
2: Yeah, I could totally feel that. I was trying to mix Jesus, in, like, a, a sexy kind of voice where it's, like, come with me, don't kind don't of, it, right? they're hungry, you know? But the little, like, that right there is this mix like between... Being like, it sensual, but also weird. creepy, you know? And, and also a little girl, so you don't really know how to feel about it. <laughs> yeah, kind of,
0: Her hair looks more like straw. The little girl wonders how she will feed Angie when she can't even feed herself. They find a ball of lightning bolts hissing and shivering against each other like snakes, each white bolt trying to eat the next, until it seems that each one is eating itself, throbbing heat presses itself onto when their I, faces. When
1: I wrote this, I had some sort of general idea about, it. like, Athena uh, coming out of the skull of Zeus. Huh. So, yeah, and Zeus throws lightning bolts, so I know Athena had a spear in his skull, according to the legend, but, you know, it was just, it all came, came together.
2: Man, if you go down that literary route, you got all sorts of people eating people in Greek mythology, you know, like Zeus and Titans, that's awesome.
1: bears. Mm-hmm. Well, Zeus ate Athena. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. The bears step around a
0: corner, wielding sharpened gears tied to sticks. Homemade meat cleavers to cleave little girl meat.
2: And I she love that thing, too. Yeah. I think got homemade meat cleaver, you know? Pretty much anything works as a cleaver of meat at home. She's tired and worn too thin.
0: She's seen too much violence, done too much. She doesn't want to hurt anyone anymore. Don't make me do this, she says to the bears. Don't make me kill you. A big blue bear with white paws laughs. Big
2: blue bear. You alliterative
0: genius. Forward. He doesn't have to say that he doesn't believe her. He says now it by raising of that, the sharp. to no, her mm-hmm. The little girl grabs a fistful of thunder with her four-fingered hand. The flesh scorches and fistful blackens. Smells like burnt. Yeah,
2: you, you actually say something like a, like a pocket full of Zeus or something coming up. Red.
0: The psalm in her palm pulses loud, a hammer on the ears. The bears freeze mid-step. They see their doom in red lightning. She throws Zeus from the hand of a child.
2: Yeah, there it is. That's a cool one. Here it is.
0: The bears are ashes then, (laughs) and the lightning returns and hides inside her hand. Him's skull unfolds outward like paper, white bone origami undone. Smoke the scent of cheesecake.
2: It oh, <laughs> sells it. It is. He's sick. F- <laughs> <laughs> that's really the line there. It leads up to cheesecake being the smell that's coming out of his skull. Oh, I love this ending. Yeah, we gotta listen to this piece. This is great.
0: Doll bodies scattered everywhere, slowly changing to flesh.
1: I've got a story to tell. But,
0: but uh, him, I'll wait until after this <laughs> point. Still and dead. All the many pieces of him strewn and smoking and unmoving. The little girl can feel her hand tingle, sees the sparks. Because they are starving, she and Angie eat the apple-flavored teddy bear hand. The little girl starts at the pinky. Angie starts at the thumb.
2: So you could have just left it with just the, you had to talk about how they ate the bear hand.
1: Well, because Angie only
0: still with black
2: oak. She lost
1: her thumb, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So. Oh, wait, here it is. Afterward, the two sisters say to them: Don't sit on the swing set and don't trust your friends. Feed any house before you go in it. The world is alive since the magic came back, and children are small and make a good snack. Everything tricks and everything cheats. And everything, everything, everything eats.
2: Dun, 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 dun. dun. (laughs) That was it. That's the line that sold that thing for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of folks responded saying, I'll never forget the end of that story with the little nursery rhyme.
1: Oh, yeah. That that was really cool. Yeah, so uh, when I was trying to, I, I tried to sell this as an ebook and it, it never worked out. But I, I like contacted David Brand. I mentioned that before, and he was nice enough to give me a blurb. And then a few years later, I met him at WorldCon. I said, "Thank you for the blurb on my story, Teddy Bears and Tea Parties." And he says, "That's that's okay. I love children's fiction." <laughs> that's he's my kind of guy he completely forgot <laughs> the <this> story
2: <laughs> see i don't i like to think that he didn't forget the story he just literally interpreted that as children's fiction because he's that screwed up <laughs>
1: that's possible too <laughs>
2: yeah i mean this is if i ever have kids god help us all this is the kind of stuff i'm gonna get them adapted to <laughs> for a early age you never know in the world to come alive sam so i want my kids to be prepared
1: no, I, I understand entirely. I, I, At the time, our goddaughter was 18, and she was living with us. She's in a room from us, uh, my wife and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, she read the story, and uh, uh, she had a room full of teddy bears. And for the next week, all the teddy bears were in the hall. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, it's great though. Teddy bears are supposed to be something for little girls to be comforted by, you know, not be terrified by. In much the same way that they, you know, they had Chucky, and, and there's this, like, and clowns and things. This is a reverse Chucky where the dolls need to be terrified of the little girl, and everything's kind of twisted on top of its head.
1: I never, I never thought of it that way, but yes, you're great. I do similar things in a couple of my other stories as well. So maybe, you're on, maybe you're onto something there.
2: Yeah, we'll keep cranking, man. I hope we uh, hear more from you on the travelcast as we launch into our next big enterprise.
1: Yeah, well, I hope it turns out well for you guys because you guys rock.
2: No, thanks a lot. You rock too, man. This has been awesome. Okay, thanks. Cool. We'll be in touch, man. Thanks a lot. All right. All right, bye-bye.